Hi Church, today we are going to start on the book of Revelation, something which I have been waiting for and uh, very excited to do with you and I'm very sure many of you feel the same. Today I'm just going to do an overview of the book and uh, I just wonder how on earth Am I going to do an overview of Revelation in just maybe about 30 to 35 minutes? But I'll try. And uh, it's a very difficult book to understand. Very difficult book to understand. And in fact, uh, it has been said that there are actually two types of Christians as far as the book of Revelation is concerned. The first type of Christian or category of Christians are the ones who have an unwarranted fear of the book. Why? Because, you know, there's so many angels and beasts and dragons and antichrist, false prophets, uh, 666 and earthquakes and, and so many people die. Oh. Another type of Christian in, with reference to the book of Revelation are the people who do not have a unwarranted fear, but they have an excessive fascination. Angels, oh, dreams, they love it. And they interpret it in many, many diverse, I will say, kaleidoscopic ways. I am neither. I don't fear the book. And really, I was not fascinated by it. For a long time, I avoided it. Why? Because it is difficult to understand and uh, it's not relevant. So, last year, during MCO in March, I read through chunks of scripture and I came to Revelation. And as I began to read the book of Revelation, the Spirit of God spoke to me. Son, I want you now to study the book of Revelation verse by verse, phrase by phrase, nuance by nuance, vision by vision. And I want you to preach it and teach it because the time has come. Wow. And so in the last nine months or so, I've dug deep into the book of Revelations verse by verse. And I'm very, very eager to share with you what the Lord has revealed to me. D.L. Moody, the well-known evangelist, said this, If God did not want us to understand the book of Revelation, surely He would not have given it all to us, right? So He must want us to understand. How will we teach this book? Let me explain to you that this weekend on the 20th and 21st of February, we'll have an introduction. Next weekend, we will do the introduction to the seven churches. We zero in on the seven churches in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelations. And then from March onwards until May, for seven weekends, we will do Jesus' letters to the seven churches one church per week. 
that will take us to the end of April, of course, with Easter in between. And then on the 8th of May, right until August, every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, two hours, I will teach the book of Revelation. What's the difference between uh, the May sessions and the pulpit teaching? The difference is this. You cannot preach on revelations. It is not preachable. What is preachable are the seven letters to the seven churches. From Revelation chapter 4 to chapter 22, you can only expose it verse by verse. You do not do justice to chapter 4 to chapter 22 by preaching revelations. Why? Because when you preach, you tend to be exaltative. You want to exalt people. But how do you exalt people with a beast? How do you exalt people with, with one half of the world died by the time you reach the, the, the don't know what, the seventh seal? How do you teach? How do you exalt that? So it's superficial. So from May onwards, verse by verse, I will take you through Revelations every Saturday morning. We will open registration in March and the first 1,000, we will cap it and we will open it first to SIBKL folks. Just to let you know, I also wrote a book on Revelation. It's almost about 200 pages long and it's not a commentary, but it is a supplement because there are many things in the book of Revelation that I cannot teach uh, and we don't have time for it. So, Chapters on the book would include Jacob's trouble. What is Jacob's trouble? Uh, it would include the millennial rule. All right, I will explain deeply. And I would explain to you why I mid-trip, why I believe that the church and the Christians will go through the Great Tribulation. And um, there will be a chapter on suffering. But my best chapter in the book, and you don't want to miss it, is that God gave me a new understanding of death. And I titled that chapter, A Theology of Death. When you read that chapter, we will not be afraid to die. Well, that's the commercial. What I will do in the next half an hour or so, is that I will go through Revelations chapter 1 because Revelations chapter 1 is a very good overview for the whole book. So let me read uh, Revelations chapter 1, verses 1 to verse 8. And I would highly recommend that you have your Bible with you. If not, um, you won't benefit as much. So Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart 
what is written in it because the time is near. That's why the Lord spoke to me last year in March. Son, teach the book of Revelation because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you is a greeting from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and forever. Amen. Look, verse 7, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will moan because of him. So shall it be. Amen. The word amen, amen, amen occurs numerous times in the book of Revelation. In other words, so be it. That's what it says. So be it. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means unveiling. This is where the word apocalypse comes. You know, many years ago, when I was younger, I remember watching a movie about the Vietnam War called Apocalypse Now. Uh, I can't remember much about the movie, except that there's a lot of bloodshed, napalm, and, and a lot of destruction. And, uh, and I thought, maybe that's what apocalypse means, right? Destruction. No, it just means unveiling. In other words, as we read the book of Revelation, let us open up our spirit man and tune it to the same frequency of heaven so that we understand what God is trying to unveil to us. It's, it's like the curtain, you know. It's like a curtain. When you push back the curtain, it is to let you see what is behind the curtain, right? So there's a whole purpose of God revealing to us events of the end times so that we can understand. Wow. I, I, I'm so excited, you know, because I know we are in for a wonderful, wonderful time. And I, and I want to believe that at the end of this study, it's not only a, 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 a theological Bible study, but it will transform your life. It transformed mine. I look at life different, different now, you know. I see death also different now. Yeah. Let me move on. Revelations chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
one of the things that struck me as I read the revelation again and again, verse by verse, is verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show who? Absolutely right. His servants. So to whom is the unveiling given? His servants. In other words, non-believers don't understand. And not every Christian will understand. Why? Because the revelation, the unveiling, the apocalypsis is only given to show who? Servants. And you know the word servant and serve occurs 19 times in 22 chapters. Again and again. It is to his servants. In other words, only servants understand. Are you his servant? It reminds me of what happened at the first miracle at Cana of Galilee. When Jesus turned water into wine, it was his first creative miracle. And you know in John chapter 2, verse 9, who knew? The, the host didn't know. Definitely the guests didn't know. All they knew was the best wine. Huh. Revelation, uh, John chapter 2, verse 9. Who knew? Only the servants know. Why? Because the servants were closest to Jesus. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show who? Servants. That's why you always hear me say, friends, don't waste your time chasing after shadows. Serve God. That is the title of my first chapter in my book. Revelation is for servants. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, what must soon take place? God gave Jesus a revelation. And Jesus made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who now testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So if you look at the sequencing of the revelation, it is like this. God showed it to Jesus Christ, who now shows it not to John, Angels, angels, you find angels mentioned in almost every chapter. It is to the angel of the church of Sardis. It is to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? Angels, 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 angels are messengers. And the angels now communicated to John, who now communicated to who? Servants. So this is the sequencing of the revelation, and it is to servants. And do you know, go back to, to, to verse 1 and verse 2 again. He made it known by sending his angels to his servant John, 
who now testifies to everything he what? Saw. In other words, whatever is written now from verse chapter 1 to chapter 22 is a testimony of what John saw. It is a visual testimony. It's not narrated, understand? Jesus did not say, come on, John, sit down. Let me tell you. No. John, let me show you. It's a visual testimony. And it's powerful. Again and again, you read, I, John, testify. I, John, tell you. Believe me, believe me. I saw and I now tell you. Take it seriously, my friend. Take it very seriously. Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it. Take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. I, I love this verse. Why? Because Revelations is the only book in the entire Bible that you are blessed when you read it. What? Yeah. Do you know that when you are blessed, when you read the book of Revelation, we will be blessed? And not only will we be blessed, are we blessed when we read the book? Blessed are those who also hear it. Hey, you are blessed when you hear it. And blessed are you when you, more importantly, take to heart what is written in it. In other words, don't hear only. Uh, heed. Obey. Hey, so friends, man, goodness me. We are blessed when we read it. We are blessed when you hear it. And we are blessed when we uh, obey it. Hey, SIBKL, this year, 2021, we are triply blessed. Don't you want to be blessed? God promised you, I will bless you. If you read this book, if you hear it, and if you take it to heart. You know, I found out, in fact, I wanted to give a prize to people, which I, I probably won't now, to anyone who can go through the book and tell me what are the Beatitudes of Revelation. What, Pastor? I thought Beatitudes only refers to the Sermon on the Mount. True. There were eight Beatitudes, blessed, 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 blessed in Sermon on the Mount. Do you know there are also seven or eight blessings in the book of Revelation? I call it the Beatitudes of Revelation. Where, Pastor, where? Look it up. Lah. Look through and write down what are the seven blessings. And God says, hey, if you read the book, all these blessings are yours. Amen. And seven is a number of perfection. God wants to bless you, not incompletely, but completely. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm so excited. You know, we are in for a wonderful time, friend. Honestly, we will be blessed to our socks this year when we study the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 5. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, this is the greeting. 
Grace and peace to you from him who, wa- who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Wow. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Next week, I will share a bit more on the introduction to the seven churches. You won't miss it. You won't want to miss it. But suffice it to say, and I want to debunk a myth right now at the beginning, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. In other words, right at the beginning of Revelation, John is saying, whatever I am writing, whatever God shows to Jesus, Jesus communicated to the angels to tell me, is to the seven churches. In other words, the whole book of Revelation is to the seven churches. What, pastor? I thought only the seven letters. Did it say in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, to the seven churches, I write all these letters only. Chapter 4 onwards, not to the seven churches, but to, uh, don't know to who, oh. no, to, to, the, no, to, 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 don't know somebody else. No. Do you know that in those days, no chapter 1, no. No chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, no, right? So in other words, when the Spirit of God prompted John to write this. Everything from chapter 1 to chapter 22 is to all of us. Is to the seven churches, including the seven letters of Jesus. Why do I emphasize this? Because all the time we think that Whatever John writes, Jesus writes, is only to the seven churches. And then chapter 4 onwards is not to the church because the church already raptured. Ma. Don't get me into this because I will spend an entire morning or one hour at least, or first, first hour of the two hours, telling you why I am mid-trip, meaning why I believe that the church of Jesus Christ must go through the great tribulation. I do not subscribe to the pre-trip view which says that the church is already raptured before the great tribulation and therefore the church will not go through the great tribulation. Sorry, I beg to defer. Just to give you a preview, one of the arguments the pre-trip have is this. From chapter 4 onwards, they say, the word church is never mentioned anymore. Why? Because it's already raptured. Therefore, everything from chapter 4 onwards don't apply to the churches. Church is already raptured because the word church is not mentioned anymore. Wrong. To the seven churches, 
in the province of Asia. Everything from chapter 1 to chapter 22 is to the churches. Why should Jesus write something to warn and to tell the church when the church is no more? Why? Why does Jesus want to tell the church to be faithful, to remain steadfast, persevere, when the church is no more? Doesn't make sense to me. And it's also not true that the word church is never mentioned again after chapter 4. Let me show you something. And I'll go on. Revelation 22, verse 16. That's how Jesus ends the unveiling, the apocalypse to the churches. That's what he said. Chapter 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, so that you and I make no mistake of who is speaking. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony. In other words, everything that I revealed to you in the 22 chapters, for who? For who? The churches. Listen, my friend. The church will go through the Great Tribulation and we have to get ready and prepare for it. Okay, I, I don't want to go any further. Let me, let me move on because there are so many reasons I can give you why I am a mid-trip. And, and there's a lot for me. You know why? Because I'm brought up as a brethren, you see. And, and brethren are pre-trips. Uh, John Nelson Darby, when he founded the Brethren Movement in Glasgow, propounded this pre-trip that the church will be raptured before the Great Tribulation, and then he influenced a guy called Schofield in the US, and that's why I came the Schofield Bible. So when I was young, in Bible class in, in, in the Brethren Church, I was told, taught, hey, the church will be raptured, but now, but now, as I study the book, I beg to differ. The church will go through, sorry lah, the great tribulation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 5. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, remember I told you, no chapters, ah, at that time, no chapters, one is a complete epistle. Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and verse 5, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. This is the greeting. And I want to share a point here before I move on. How does God greet us? Like Paul, peace be to you. So to the seven churches in the province of Asia, Grace and peace to you. And this is directly from God. Huh? From whom? From Him. Who is Him? This is God. Why? Because He is who was and is to come. And He identifies Himself in verse 8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, says the Lord Almighty. So who is this? Is God 
Lord God. And from the seven spirits, who are the seven spirits? You look at the marginal notes, it is the sevenfold spirit of God. And from Jesus Christ now, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. So in other words, the greeting is from the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It is a Trinitarian greeting. That's how serious God takes the book of Revelation. Peace be to you. From God the Father, God the Son, and the sevenfold Spirit of God. Verse 5 to verse 8. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, to him who loves us and freed us uh, and made us to be a kingdom of a kingdom and priests, to serve his God again, see, sir. I tell you what, the word serve comes again and again and again. And, and the Spirit of God told me, son, tell the church, it is to the servants that I'm going to reveal myself. Please serve God, serve God. Why? Because when it comes to the Bema throne, in Revelation chapter 19, when we come to the rewards, it matters. Two kinds of books are open, the book of life and the other books. Your service to God in this life matters. Don't waste your time chasing out the shadows. To Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Can you imagine? In the book of Revelation, he is the again in mentions to Jesus who died on the cross, and everyone who pierced him, referring to the Jews, and the other peoples of the earth, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, will moan because of him. So be it. I am the Alpha and the Omega, verse 8, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Lord Almighty. I just want to point this out to you, just in passing. Look at, at verse 6. Can has made us to be a kingdom and priests. I found it astounding. Why? And very relevant to us because we just finished the book of Zechariah, right? Not, not finished, half of it anyway, until chapter 8. So we do chapter 9 to chapter 14, uh, the second quarter of this year. The third quarter of this year, rather. But I found this astounding, very striking. He made us to be a kingdom and priest. SIBKL, I'm going to ask you, where was this concept of kingdom and priest first mooted in the Old Testament? You're right. Zechariah chapter 6. And you've heard me expound on that chapter when Zechariah took the crown and crowned not Zerubbabel, who was the governor and from the lineage of David, but crowned Joshua the high priest, and then took the crown and placed it back into the temple. And this prophetic act is so, so, so significant because it inaugurated 
the priesthood of all believers. What was started, initiated in the Old Testament, was fulfilled in the New Testament, and now culminated in Revelations. Scripture is very, very consistent. Read with me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, friends. Come, let's do that. Shall we do that? Come, let's all do that. Are you ready? Are you ready? One, two, three. We are a chosen people. Start again, start again. I didn't hear you. Okay, let's all read again. Are you ready? Everyone, mom, mom, dad, children, read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So we are all to become a kingdom of priests. Let me read Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 to 18 now. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, what did John see? I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Now, note the description of Jesus. Note the description of Jesus. Verse 12. His feet were like bronze, glowing like a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid, John, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Christ Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. How did John introduce himself? I, John. He didn't say, I, John, an apostle. I, John, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm the beloved of Jesus. No, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and patient endurance that are ours in Christ. In other words, John's saying to you, I identify with you, friend. 
What I'm going to share to you is not nice. What I'm going to share to you is, is, is not what you want to hear. Never mind. I still got to tell you what is going to happen in the end days. But I, John, I, I, John, I am a companion to your suffering and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours, ours, not only mine, not you and me, and ours in Christ Jesus. We have, sorry, uh, got to go through much suffering and persecution in the end days. And then he says, in verse 10, On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. On the Lord's day. No, it's not Sunday. Sorry, it's not Sunday. So what is the Lord's day? I put a picture up of Emperor Domitian. The time, AD 96. Emperor Domitian was an emperor in Rome. He was touted as one of the cruelest emperor ever lived against the Christians. And every year, this guy is so ego egoistic, like an egomaniac. On the Lord's Day, he called it, every citizen everyone in the entire Roman Empire will now bow down to his statue wherever you are and you are to say, the emperor is Lord. It is called the annual Lord's Day. But on this Lord's Day, Purposefully, God, through Jesus Christ, sent his angels, unveiled to John the Apocalypse, to tell John, John, tell the church, the emperor is not Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. So on the Lord's day, very, very purposeful and deliberate. The unveiling of the end times was given to John. Chapter 1, verse 12 to verse 16 is very important. Hear me well now. You follow me. Huh? I'm so sorry if I go beyond time today. How to do the book of Revelation uh, in just half now? I don't understand. So is it okay with you if I just go beyond time uh, a little bit? Uh, uh, if you, if it's okay with you, can you, can I see your, your thumbs up? Ah, yeah, only 50% of you. Come on, show me a thumbs up, encourage me. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I see all of you. Verse 12. John then turned around to see the voice that was speaking to him. And that voice was, was loud, you see. A loud voice like a trumpet. He turned around. And when I turned, what did John see? The first thing he saw was seven golden lampstands. What are the lampstands? Revelations chapter 1, verse 20 tells us the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. 
So he saw the lampstands, which represent the seven churches. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. And he recognized this as Jesus. And look at the description. Look at the way that Jesus now appeared himself to John, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest is a sign of a judge and a king and his head and hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire and his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace in other words we call it burnished bronze and other words red hot bronze and his voice was like a sound of rushing waters and in his right hand were held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword his face was like the sun shining in all this brilliance and you know something you know something you know when john turned around he expected to see jesus like the jesus he knew before how how how, how did john saw Jesus before. The last time John saw Jesus, 60 years ago, was at the Mount of Olives. When Jesus told him that he's going back to the Father, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then it was a private affair. There's nobody else there except all the 11 or 12 disciples. And I'm very sure, I, I'm, I'm speculating here, I'm just letting my ima imagination run wild, friends. There were probably hugs, goodbyes, you know, and see you again, you know, I'm going back, but I'll, I'll come back again. It's very encouraging. And then they, they, they watched him and they keep watching him and keep watching him until he disappeared and I set it up on a high and still watching. And the angels say, hey, friends, don't watch anymore. Please, huh? because this same Jesus is going to come back again. So now go. So it was very private, very uh, serene, very warm. But this Jesus is different. So I put a table up. Just to compare with us the difference between the Jesus that John knew. After all, John was called the beloved, right? The beloved of the Lord. And the Jesus that John saw. At his first coming, Jesus came back to take what was lost. Now at the second coming, Jesus comes back to take over what is his. Wow. To take back his inheritance. At the first coming, Jesus went to the cross to destroy sin, to die for you and for me, shed his blood. But now at the second coming, Jesus now comes to destroy Satan. At his first coming, Jesus went to the cross Second coming, Jesus wears the crown, the diadema. You see, there are two crowns, the Stephanos, which is a victor's crown. So the beast, Antichrist, wears the Stephanos, the di but he doesn't wear the diadema. The diadema is the crown of the king. Why? Because only the king of kings and the lord of lords is worthy to wear the diadema. Everybody else wears the Stephanos. At the first coming, Jesus comes as a saviour. Second coming, Jesus comes as the judge and the king of kings. And that's exactly what John saw. Eyes blazing, a sash, feet with like burnished bronze, his voice like roaring waters. 
Hey, white as snow, glowing with all the glory. And, 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 and what did John respond when he saw it? Verse 17 and verse 18. I fell at his feet, though dead. Why? Because this is the different Jesus. Actually, it's not right. It's the same Jesus. Jesus hasn't changed, my friend. But now he comes with a different mission. There's a difference. So when I saw him, John fell at his feet as though dead. Why? Because of the Shekinah glory of the King of Kings. You know, I, I don't know. I, I've yet to come across anybody who faints uh, when he greets the Agong. I've yet to come across somebody who, so a lady who faints when he, she curtsies to the Queen of England. But here, John, when he saw Jesus in all his brilliance, fell down as though dead. What did Jesus do? Jesus placed his hand, right hand, right hand is the right hand of power on John and says, son, John, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, John. I am the first. I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever and ever. Everybody say, Amen, Amen. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Very interesting. And I find this so spectacular and striking. But when Jesus revealed himself to John, how did Jesus wanted him, wants himself to be identified? Not as the earthly Jesus. He didn't say to John, John, I am the Savior. I am your master. No. He says, John, I am the first. I am the last. And I want you now to see me as such. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever. In other words, Jesus wanted John to see him as the eternal king, not the earthly man, understand? It's over over and I hold the keys of death and Hades. And verse 19, I'm going to close soon, tells us the whole purpose of why Jesus asked John to write revelations. You can say this is the outline. Write therefore, verse 19, what you have seen and what is now and what will take place. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And everything, John, that I'm going to show you is for the seven churches, not only in my letters. Write, therefore, what you have seen. In other words, what you see. What is now what happening to the seven churches and what will take place later? The end days. So it is how we divide revelations. What is now and what will take place? Let me close. I want to go back. I'm so astonished by this. 
And I want to relate it and contextualize it here. That now, as we study the book of Revelation, we must now begin to see Jesus as the king, as the judge. Because that's how Jesus would want us to view him as we go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter in the book of Revelation. When I saw him, verse 17 and 18, I fell in his feet though dead. Then Jesus placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't have any fear. What I, I'm going to reveal to you, don't have any fear. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and forever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. And that's exactly how Jesus himself revealed himself at his coming in Revelation chapter 19 and chapter and the last three chapters of Revelation. Jesus says, behold, I'm coming soon. Same thing. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, I won't have time. You go back and read Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 16, when Jesus returns back the second time and you read the description in those six verses, verse 19, verse 11 to verse 16, exactly the same description as Revelation chapter 1. In other words, and I'm going to close, when John wrote Revelation chapter 1 and saw Jesus for all his glory, Jesus was giving John a preview of what he will be like when he comes back again. Revelation chapter 1, description of Jesus is exactly the same as Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 16, at his second coming. So let me close. What is our response as we look forward to the study of the book of Revelations? For me, I think the key verse is found in the middle of Revelations. Your response and my response is this. Revelations 14, verse 12. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints. In other words, Christians who will go through the great tribulation and suffering and persecution, believe me, is going to increase in the coming days, who obey God's command and remain faithful to Jesus. Revelation chapter 13, verse 10, say the same thing. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword they will be killed. In other words, if you have to die, we will die. Don't be afraid of death. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. My prayer for you and for me, my friend, is this. In the coming days, as we expect greater challenges, as we expect greater opposition to Christians and to Christianity worldwide in all its various forms, what the Lord is saying to you and to me is this. Come on, let's endure. Let's persevere. Let's be resilient. Let's not give up. Let's remain faithful to the very end, my friend, to the very end. And I say this to my pastors and to my staff. Just recently, he said, my greatest fear as your pastor, as a senior pastor is this. I told my pastors and my staff, is that you all won't make it. Is that you will give up. 
My greatest fear is that you will, it's okay, you leave SIPKL to go to another church. It's okay, but don't leave God. Remain faithful, my friend. Remain faithful to the very end. And I say this to you. If anything, the book of Revelation will teach us to get ready for what is going to come. But in the process, don't give up. Patiently endure and remain faithful to Jesus. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word, the overview of revelations, all encapsulated in one chapter. We thank you, Lord, for putting your hand like you did upon John. Do not fear, do not fear, for I'm with you. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the first and the last, and I hold the keys. Don't fear. So Father, I pray that for everyone here who's going through difficult days, give us the endurance, the perseverance of God, not to give up, but to endure. And Lord, to remain faithful to you to the very end. Oh, Father, we look forward to the coming weeks, Lord, when we hear more of you and understand more of the apocalypses, the unveiling of God through Jesus Christ to us. Hallelujah. Friend, come on, let's worship the Lord with this wonderful song for of Him and to Him and through Him are all things. Let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah. Lord, thank you for revealing to us the mystery because we know, Father Lord, we are your servants and we will understand. Open our eyes, open our spiritual minds and understanding so that in the coming weeks as we look at the book of Revelation, Lord, we will understand and in understanding, prepare, get ourselves ready for what lies ahead of us that we will not cave in, we will not give in, we will not give up, but rather, Father, even love you more, draw closer to you. Oh, Father, I want to pray and bless once again those people who are going through so difficult times today. Strengthen them, help them, whatever they're going through in their work, in their families, among themselves, the turmoil, the uncertainty. God, in the name of Jesus, strengthen them, Lord, strengthen them, empower them. Do not leave them, nor forsake them. Hallelujah, Father. I bless you, Jesus. I bless you this day. Oh, hallelujah. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards all of you and give us shalom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Those of you who need further prayers, please go to the online prayer line, prayer room. There will be people who will pray with you, pray for you. God bless you. See you next week when we do the overview to the seven churches. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.